What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to VCast, where church and culture come together. As always, if you haven't already liked or subscribed to this podcast, please do so. Give us a like, follow us, and uh, everything you do helps us to continue to reach people with the Word of God. So we love you guys. I hope you enjoy this podcast today. God bless you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to VCast. I'm your host, Jacob, and today I am here with Pastor Allen. How you Yo, doing, Pastor? Yo, what's going on, bro? Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, man, no problem. I'm yes, glad sir. that we have you back. I know that you and me had done a podcast a while ago. Um, I don't remember how long it was, but that I know- That was a minute ago, yeah. Yeah, it was like before this series. It's like, okay, y'all don't like me, it. but it's all right. I won't <laughs> hold it against you. <laughs> but yeah, man, I'm excited to have you back. Um, this Great to be back, bro. is the last month of this series. Yes, sir. Um, so I'm very excited that I get to close it out with you next week. I'm going to have another guest and then um, before we close it off. So beautiful. Let's just get started. Let's get right let's into it. it all right. Um, so for this first episode of this last month, we are going over. I am loved. Mm. And um, we've been covering the book of Ephesians for this um, series. And for this episode, we are going over Ephesians chapter five, verses 22 th- through 33. So if you are listening and you want to know where we're at, that's where we are. Um, read through it. Pause it. If you um, if you're listening to this, where whether it be Spotify, YouTube, just pause it, read through it so that you kind of know where we're at. Um, but let's get right into it, man. Um, so for I am loved, I thought it was a very interesting topic because um, us as people have this desire and longing to be loved it's kind of just it's a part of who we are we all Mm -hmm. desire it if anybody's ever taken a psychology class in high school you learned nurture right this Mm -hmm. idea that as kids and infants we just long for love and that goes on even into our adult life and a lot of it has to do with um like the way that society portrays love Mm. um whenever we watch movies tv shows whether we pick up a magazine love is portrayed as this this just this amazing thing so what is it about love that draws people to long for it like like what is the what is it about it that we just have this desire for it yeah that that typically tends to be like a popular genre uh when it comes to movies is is love movies because it just kind of makes everyone feel good to see you know you've got the lover who is pursuing the beloved and then in between them there's always like these challenges or this tension to to love one another and and so i think that people um by nature don't really like tension they like everything tranquil peaceful but ultimately um like you mentioned i think people just uh want to be loved you know who doesn't want to feel valued who doesn't want to feel embraced uh who doesn't want to feel pursued by by someone and so i think that innate desire is within each and every one of us um to be loved and, and love, when you look at the word love, love by definition, it has to give itself to one another or it's not love. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's what I would say on that. Yeah. Um, and even though we, we know that this is a popular genre, we know that it, it truly doesn't play out that way, though. Mm-mm. And I think that a lot of people get that expectation from these movies and TV shows. And then they see that it doesn't really play out that way. Um, mm-hmm. In reality many of us are only loved by a handful of people and um for some by no one at all sadly there are some people out there who truly have never experienced what it is to be loved by another human being Mm -hmm. um 
even those that do love us don't do so completely unselfishly continually or perfectly yet there is one person who does love us this way and that's christ jesus um but in talking about love we are going to get into obviously the way that christ loves us and i'm excited to get into it but before that i kind of just want to ask what kind of pops into your mind when you think of love like when you think of the word first thing that pops into your head filet mignon <laughs> bro i love me i'm kind of hungry right some filet am i making you it's almost lunchtime bro i am and you said that right before lunch my stomach just grumbled when you said that but... not not just filet mignon bacon wrapped filet mignon okay now you're just asking for a heart attack <laughs> uh, i mean tip it's weird because it's funny that when you ask that it's like yeah, you know, love is attached to so many different things. But I think if, if you ask, you know, what do you think about when you think of love? Typically, what's going to pop in our minds is some sort of relationship, like some sort of context of relationship. As a matter of fact, when Paul um, brings that up, you know, in this particular chapter, he's actually referring to um, Christ and his church. Then he's going to compare that uh, to marriage. And so um, I, I also know, uh, obviously, Jacob, that when we're looking at the word love, like we're reading in the scripture, uh, that word love is just one word. But when you go back to the original Greek language, you're going to see several different versions of that same word to define different things. Yeah, I believe there are about five, four. Oh, yeah, I think, so. I think so. It's four or five. It's around. Julio, yeah. Yeah. Um, different words that they use mm -hmm. for love. In English, we only have the one word. Depending mm -hmm. on the context, it'll change its meaning. Right. Like you just said, I love filet mignon, but mm -hmm. I love my mom. I don't love right. the same. I don't love filet mignon the same way exactly. that I love my so mom. Exactly. So there's not like a differentiation exactly. between in, those two two instances in, in English, English language. Yes, exactly. Yeah, in but English in language. Greek, there mm -hmm. are four different words, and the word that Paul is using here um, is agape. Mm -hmm. And what kind of love is that? Yeah. So, man, one of the one of the passages that blew my mind in, in Bible college when I started to understand this whole concept of love was when Jesus was asking Peter if he uh, loved him and Peter would respond back you know I do love you but he was given that the, the, the filial love you know like a brotherly love but what Jesus was asking from him was agape love and so that word agape um, in the original language that symbolizes and signifies an unconditional love like a deep sacrificial love uh, uh, an unmerited kind of love where there's no condition by which I'm loving you I'm just loving you because I choose to love you exactly um, the word expresses the unconditional type of love, like you just said, which mm -hmm. is a love that Christ shows and gives to us. Mm -hmm. It represents an unmerited kind of love with no condition or standard by which one can gain it freely given to a person who is most likely mm -hmm. undeserving. Right. And I think that when the Bible uses that word, that's what it's pointing to, mm -hmm. that this unconditional love is usually for those that are undeserving. Right. Um, and that's exactly where this point brings us into when it comes to the love of Christ, that Jesus loves me. Mm -hmm. That very simple statement is the bedrock of the Christian faith. Right. Jesus's love for the church is called a great mystery. And even the book of Ephesians has been called the epistle of mystery because Paul uses the word mystery six times. Mm -hmm. But by mystery, he doesn't mean something that we don't know. Um, by mystery, the Bible means something that was previously unknown mm -hmm. becoming known in right. Jesus Christ. Um, and we even see in the Old Testament, it, it speaks about God's love pretty often, but that love was not fully known to um, or widely known outside of Israel. Right. right. So this idea that God loves wasn't mm -hmm. really a concept grasped by anybody who wasn't really Jewish um, until the greatest act of love mm -hmm. in the world. And what was that? Right. 
uh, man, that was Jesus dying on the cross. And so that was kind of a mystery, uh, you know, throughout history, although love was present, like when you think back to the garden, that relationship that God had with man was love. Um, God would lovingly provide everything. And then man and woman, Adam and Eve, would lovingly come under submission of that authority. We see all of that go south whenever they ate of the fruit and sin came into the world. And from that point, everyone began to die. Um, but even before that, God already had a plan, right? Uh, the scriptures later going to say uh, the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. So this love, this concept of love in the gospel was already predetermined uh, before Adam and Eve had even sinned. Uh, but then we see that self, we see that play itself out uh, in the gospel where Jesus, God sends his only son, right? We all know John three sixteen that he loved us so much, gave his only son and that whoever trusts in him will not perish, but is going to have eternal life. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Paul specifies this in Ephesians 5, 25, where he says, uh, Christ also, <clears throat> excuse me, also loved the church and gave himself for her. The love of God cannot be understood apart from the cross of Jesus Christ. And sometimes our sins may be so great that we kind of lose sight of our identity in Christ and we begin to believe that God does not really love us. Yeah, and um, perfectly said, you know, that the this love that God shows to us cannot be known apart from the cross of Christ. Um, the Bible says, I believe it's in one of the epistles of John where it says we love because he first loved us, right? This idea that I only have the capability and the capacity to love because of what Jesus did mm -hmm. on the cross and because of God's love towards me. But knowing that Christ died for the ill-deserving should bring us joy, right? Right, That he loves me. Mm -hmm. Christ cannot love me more than he already does, nor could he love me any less. Right. The love of Christ is so deep and so wide that we Christians, those of us who are put our faith in him, will spend our eternity endlessly searching through it. Mm -hmm. It's and good. I think that this this love of Christ that he um, that 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 is shown to us throughout the Gospels now really it helps us to understand love. Just like I had said before, John says that um, we love because he first loved us. Mm -hmm. So now that I understand the unconditional type of love that Christ gives to me, mm. I can now love my neighbor right. and I can now enter into relationship. And um, yeah, because love has to flow vertically before it flows horizontally. Exactly. We got to love with the very love that we're getting from Christ himself. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So um, now I, I really just want to focus on the relationship aspect between people. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously, when we had talked about love, and I know that Paul brings it up, like you had said earlier, that he references marriage. Mm -hmm. And I think marriage, personally, I'm not married, but I understand that marriage is the perfect symbol of Christ's love. We're going to find you a wife soon, bro. Don't worry. <laughs> patience, man. Patience. I'm, I'm patient. I'm patient. But um, those who, who believe they are unloved will often become desperate and needy, right? It, it goes back to our first point, that longing for love, mm -hmm. that those who believe they are unloved will often become um, desperate and needy for the feeling of love that they would use others. Mm -hmm. They would enable each other, um, put up with abuse, or constantly feel the need to be in a romantic or best friendship. Mm -hmm. Psychologists have even diagnosed this condition as love hunger, like this just addiction. And um, we obviously, you and me both would agree that love is a great thing. Mm -hmm. But can this addiction for love be harmful for an individual? Oh, 100%. Um, love is meant to be given. Number one, you know, love is meant to be received, number two, but it is never meant to be worshipped. 
And, you know, that's where things can become an idol. You know, idols aren't just negative things, uh, things that are go against God's law. God, uh, idols can very well be good things that we turn into God things, like we deify those things, and in turn they become bad things. And so where I think that this goes along with our, our uh, you know, an addiction to love is that we become so fixated on love itself that we begin to worship it, and then we place that in a place of priority, preeminence over God and his kingdom, which should come first. So rather than worshiping love, worship God because God is love. And in turn, he will fill you with his love. And that is when you come become completely satisfied. Exactly. Um, this conversation might have taken a bit of a turn because at first we were sort of talking about the idea of love and this unconditional love and how great it was. But there's a bad side to love mm -hmm. and that... Um, everything that god has made for good the enemy can turn against us right even love itself love is this thing that we can only have because of god but if we begin to deify it um it can begin to be very harmful to mm -hmm. us so love is supposed to be done a certain way and um what exactly could quench that longing and obsession for love that longing for love that we talked about in the beginning mm -hmm. we understand that christ loves us that way so that, yeah, that um, in Ecclesiastes, you know, I think Solomon put it this way, that God has placed eternity on every person's heart. Um, and so I, I think what happens is that we are searching for this, this, hey, I want to be valued. I want to be approved. I want to be affirmed. I want to be loved. So we go out making sacrifices. Uh, and sometimes those sacrifices cost us a lot to receive that from people, places, and things. Again, that's idolatry. Um, and so... Uh, what, what God does is um, sending his son, Jesus Christ, uh, places his son in a position to give you exactly what you want so that you find not only love, you find your identity in him as well. And so that gap of eternity, right, it's a it's an eternal uh, satisfaction versus the temporal void that we fill with temporal things. And so that's why people, they keep on running from, you know, husband to husband or wife to wife or relationship to relationship because they think they found it. It's temporary. It lasts for a moment. And then in the end, they're left empty handed. The love that God gives is an infinite, eternal love. And when he gives that, it ultimately satisfies the human heart. Mm -hmm. And that was Paul's big idea, right? That in mm -hmm. the end, the only perfect, unfailing love comes from Jesus. Right. And He's, he explains that, I think, in, a, in Ephesians uh, 5, 22 through 33, I think. Yeah, right? it's it's the entirety of this this verse where mm -hmm. he, he transitions from Christ's love for the church right. for how a husband should love his wife. Mm -hmm. Right. He explains the duties of a Christian wife to respectfully submit to their husbands as the church is to submit to Christ and the duties of the husband to love his wife as Christ loved the church. For whatever reason, that's always a sticky verse, it, bro. It, it, <laughs> it is, and it can be I, tough. We understand it. I understand it, but sometimes people hear that verse and they hear that word, even submission, and especially in today's culture. Yeah, it, it is, because it, it is a strong word mm -hmm. to use. It's a strong, I would say, verb. Would that right. be a verb, right? Submit to submit. Mm. It's a strong verb. Right. And um, we... It, Every time we, we go over this verse as Christians, we, we, we always need to explain it because mm -hmm. we understand, I understand, right. and I know you understand that it can be tough. So what exactly did Paul mean when speaking of submission? So, you know, context is key. Um, you know, I've, I've talked with people that, you know, they don't follow the Bible because the Bible endorsed slavery or says we have to be a slave of Christ. But context is key when you understood what slavery meant during those times. Slavery back then was not the slavery that we know, you know, um, in modern history. And so I think the same thing applies here 
where context is key. Uh, for example, when it comes to, you know, the a woman submitting to a man, uh, I can't just go walk down the street and expect any random woman to submit to me. Uh, the context here that Paul is referring to is in the context of a marriage relationship, because in that relationship, you have a covenant between two people in which the husband, you know, um, um, becomes the head, lovingly caring for, sacrificing himself for the wife. And in turn, the wife lovingly, uh, freely gives of herself, submitting herself under the headship of her husband. Yeah. And, and you said the word headship. And I just want to know. Like, how does because the husband is supposed to love the wife the way that Jesus loves the church. Right. So how does Jesus show headship headship to the church and how is the husband supposed right. to reflect that? Yeah. So so Jesus is our head. He is the head of the church. Right. Uh, not even the pastors. No. Jesus is the true shepherd. He is the shepherd. Everyone under that is under shepherds. But look what Jesus has done for us. Right. When we look at Christ, he came that we might have life. Right. And not just life, that we would have it in abundant. Uh, he came to heal. He came to forgive. He came to give love. He came to give grace. He came as a shepherd to protect his sheep. And so he he gives us all of this, right? This is what he gives us lovingly, unconditional love that we don't deserve, but we get it anyway. So I don't know about you. When I hear of a Jesus like that, I freely give of myself, submitting myself under his headship because I understand He's going to take care of me. You know, I can't find this love. I can't find this grace anywhere. And so we lovingly submit ourselves under Christ. And in similar fashion, I think that the spouse uh, does that as well. So a wife coming under the headship of um, her husband uh, is, is the idea of, hey, I'm coming under my husband because I understand he is going to care for me. He's going to shepherd me. He's going to love me. He's going to sacrifice to me. Uh, to be honest, I, I think, you know, as a husband, when I think about this, I think I have probably the the hardest end of the bargain here like i have to love my wife the way jesus loved the church that is a high bar that is a high standard it's not yeah. easy at all and so I, I think that that's what we have to correct because sometimes we can get into a situation where husbands are demanding submission from their spouse but husband are you acting like jesus are you are you loving your spouse like jesus lived you should never have to demand submission from your wife your wife will freely give it when a husband is acting as Christ would. Exactly. Um, we, we know that the kind of love that Jesus gives us comes with no condition. And we should do our best to do that to each other. Mm -hmm. But obedience right. does come with a condition right. when it's between people. Mm -hmm. um, like you had just said, it, the, the wife should submit if the husband is showing that love of Christ. Mm -hmm. um, we don't expect anybody, nor would we encourage right. any woman in an abusive relationship exactly. to continue to be obedient and right. submit to her husband mm -hmm. if he is abusing her, if he is abusing his power over her. We right. would say, no, you need to leave and you need to get out of that relationship because obedience and submission comes with a condition. Mm -hmm. And that condition is the unconditional love right. of Christ. Um, but now I feel the need to speak for all my people out there, the singles, and um, because our love for each other and relationship doesn't start when the relationship starts, right? So, so does the the love that we have for our spouse, for those that are single, start before we even meet them? Uh, no, I think that that love begins early on. I think that that love has to begin as a single person, um, and 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 you're starting to cultivate that love within your heart with the very love that Jesus himself is giving towards you. And so ultimately, the love that you have to love your spouse with is the love of God. Are you working on that? 
You know, are you are you working on loving God with all of your heart? Because when you do, he pours out his spirit of love through you and you're going to have something to give your future mate. Exactly. Um, I think that a lot of people, especially single people, usually are under the assumption that once I, I get into a marriage, once I, I find the one that all these other things that I'm doing will stop sexual immorality, that these things will cease when I've finally found that person. But um, you love your spouse before meeting them by abstaining from these mm -hmm. types of sins and keeping yourself pure when you meet them. Because what is the greatest thing you can give to your partner when you meet them? The fact that I've been pure this whole time right. and I've been waiting for you. So our love for our spouse does absolutely um, begin before we meet them. And it's the same way that God's love for us started before we were even born. That was one of the things that I prayed uh, about Jacob when I was searching for my mate. I said, God, you know, I had been uh, through through a, a rough relationship. And I said, man, God, like the person you have for me, let them love you more than they can ever love me. Because if they're not that way, they're not going to be able to love me with the proper love. I want them to love you with all of their heart so they can love me properly. And the same thing for me. God, fill me with love, with your love so I can give it back to them because ultimately the, the end result of love is that we see fruit in the relationship. I think when you see marriages that are on the rocks, when you see marriages that are not progressing, when you see relationships that are not growing in the fruit of love, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, patience, faithfulness, it's a result that we're not cultivating uh, love in one another. And so um, if you think about it, it's, it's like a garden, right? It's like a vineyard. Uh, you're there to cultivate that garden so that it produces something beautiful. And as you enter into a covenant relationship, uh, it's it's not just because when we typically think of love in a marriage relationship, especially for men, they're going to go right for the probably sexual activity. Right. Um, they, they, they look to that. But it's so important for men to understand uh, and for spouses to understand that when we enter into a relationship, the way we cultivate each other is spiritually, emotionally, and then comes the physical part. Um, if not, I've seen many marriages that enter into that place where they're only there for the physical benefits of, of, of love, of marriage, uh, but the spiritual and the emotional is not being cultivated. And the spouse is struggling because of that. Uh, their character is struggling because of that. Their, their relationship is struggling because of that. So just to keep that in mind, um, in a relationship, the purpose of love is so that love can produce fruit in the other person. Exactly. Um, and I think that th this is a great place to just close um in, in loving each other and loving one another in, in our pursuit and longing for love and desire for love we have to understand that the bible dictates that perfectly mm -hmm. and it describes it and it um de defines it the best way possible and the only way that we can fulfill this longing for love this desire for love is through jesus christ right and um when it comes to bearing that fruit who better than to be that that provider, that gardener, the, mm -hmm. than Christ himself. Right. So um, for anybody out there who might be confused about how to love or, or where do I even begin, um, we would just draw you to the Gospels first yes. and just start there and see what it truly means to mm -hmm. be loved. Thank you guys for tuning into our podcast. I hope that you enjoyed yourself. If you did, don't forget to give us a like, a follow, subscribe, comment, and share this podcast with as many people as you know so we can get the word of God out to everyone everywhere. We love you guys so much. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you guys on the next episode.